Welcome to another episode of Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret Podcast. I'm Teresa Melito connors a PhD-level self-care expert in the greater Boston area with a passion for helping others take control of their health and well-being and find their spotlight. Today's episode is a conversation with my friend, Amy Sika. Believe it or not, I have known Amy since we were about five years old, as we grew up together in the same community. Thanks to the power of social media, Amy and I have kept in touch, and she even attended a conference which I was speaking at, and we got to catch up during pre-COVID times. I have been admiring Amy's work and the stories she shares from being a mom of two beautiful kiddos. Amy is a certified lead peer specialist doing community outreach for individuals living with severe and persistent mental illness. She is passionate about honoring the individual's right to self-determination and finding their own path to recovery. I am thrilled to welcome Amy to the podcast today. Hi, Amy. Thanks for joining us today on the Dr. MC podcast. Of course, it is a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for asking me to join. Absolutely. I've been admiring the stories that you share on social media about the work that you do, as well as your hilarious parenting um, little tidbits that you uh, you share. Fabulous. But we're going to start first. I'd like you to tell me a little bit about how you like to practice self-care. Of course. So, you know, self-care, it's one of those like funny topics. If you like scroll on social media and everything else it's like oh go get your nails done do your hair do all of these things take bubble baths anyone who knows me I literally cut my hair over my bathroom sink with like a pair of crafting scissors so I was just like (laughs) oh my gosh I don't know if I know how to do this right and it was one of those moments that I actually had to pause and do kind of like some self-reflection of like what does self-care mean to me a big part of self-care for me is kind of having like those self-checks especially if I notice that like I'm feeling off in any type of a way and it can vary like tremendously. Sometimes it's realizing like, Hey, maybe I need to go back to my doctor and go back on meds for a little bit. Um, and you know, I know myself well enough to be able to advocate to my providers and say like, Hey, here's what I'm experiencing. I need some additional support, whether it's through medication or going back to therapy and honoring that. Cause sometimes there can be so much stigma attached to it or people don't like to talk about it. And so I love to be that voice to be like, heck yeah, like ain't no shame in the medication game. If you need it, go for it. I know you mentioned my kids and, you know, sometimes it's funny, depending on the situation and where I am, sometimes it's like, nope, get them away from me. (laughs) I need, I need, I need quiet space. I need to just not be touched or asked for things. But then other times too, it's like, you know what? No, I want to go to Canopy Lake with my kids. I want to just be able to have a fun day and not have to worry about anything except for like the astronomical ticket prices. You know what I mean? Of course. (laughs) You're able to just have that fun. But then when we do talk about like the more common things, yoga is a big part of my life. I try to start it in the morning. If I have time, I'll do it at the end of the day as well. Um, Reading is a big part for me as well. I also live with ADHD, so it's not always like the easiest thing, but if I find myself like in the moment where I'm able to kind of like just hide away in like the corner of the couch and dive into like a really good book, that's something that I'll 100% do to just kind of remove myself from whatever it is that I'm experiencing to be able to honor the rights of that self-care. I don't know about other people, but sometimes I put this pressure on myself to kind of constantly have to do all of the things. Mm, That's common. 
right? <laughs> like, if Very I'm not common. perfect. So for me, it's, it's really reminding myself that I deserve a break. Um, you know, so I, I, society in a way, right? Like they put this pressure 100%. that if you're not, yeah, if you're not moving, then you're not productive. But for me, and I'm usually on the go, that's just how I go. But I have to sometimes force myself realistically, because it's uncomfortable for me to not be productive. I have to force myself to take that time to just be. Absolutely. It's not always easy, but you know, practice makes perfect. I like to think I'm getting a little bit better at it. Um, but yeah, so th- those are my, my biggest pieces of self-care. Excellent. It sounds like you have some really good self-awareness skills though, to be able to identify like when it's time to go back to your providers and ask for additional support and that you have the skills to advocate for yourself in that regard. That's excellent. I love that. And also when you mentioned about, you know, social media and all of that, I mean, self-care is trending. Self-care is big business and it's not, and it gives us the false idea of what self-care is. Everything Mm -hmm. you just talked about, like, you know, reading a good book or doing a little yoga in the morning or knowing when, like, these things aren't bubble baths and and a, and a forced smile. Like, it's not, but, you know, society makes us feel, as you said, makes us feel bad for prioritizing our needs and makes us feel like it's a luxury because it cost, must cost so much money. Most of mm-hmm. the things I talk about can be accessed for free or little to no money. And people don't realize that because that's not what's ingrained in us. What's ingrained in us is the go, 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 the, the burnout, the burn the candles at both ends and all that. Mm-hmm. And then we suffer as a result. So it's a little exactly. bit of a little rebellious act to put your needs first. And uh, yeah, I like that. I feel like a rebel. <laughs> right? And it's so weird. And when people are like, oh, go get like a manicure and a pedicure like every other week. I'm like, I have two kids. <laughs> yeah. I can't afford that. That's not you realistic. I mean? Yeah. They take all of my money. So. Well, of course. And even if you do, like, there's nothing wrong with manis and petties, certainly. Exactly. And, like, there was a time oh, where. I, when I can get them. Absolutely. And there was definitely a time where I even thought that, like, that's all self-care was. Like, no, I get manis and petties. I got this self-care thing under control. Until I really started to dig deeper and understand really what we're talking about here. And sure, manis petties can be part of your routine. But mm-hmm. we're also talking about really getting in touch with what makes you, you at like the most foundational level and everything that you need. So that's excellent. And, um, you know, you did mention your two kiddos. And so I'm wondering, you know, that must keep you pretty busy. So how do you find time to kind of balance everything? You mentioned maybe a little yoga in the morning. So what what does that look like? Yeah. So when it comes to like that, that private time, I am not a morning person. Never have been. Same. Probably never will be. But I do start my alarm clock a little bit earlier. And I mean, it's torture. But then, like, I'll get myself up earlier in the morning so I can have that cup of tea in peace. And even if it's a quick 20-minute yoga workout where there isn't those distractions of, like, Mom, what are you yeah. doing to mom, your body mom, right mom, now? Mom, 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 Exactly. <laughs> you know. But I've also tried to foster an environment with my kids to be able to have that open dialogue. I remember actually for a long time, I didn't do that. And it's kind of like, it's like a weird, like sad story, but it helped set the pace of where I'm going with this. So it was actually when my mom had passed away. And I remember I would like hide in the bathroom to cry because I didn't want them to see that I was crying because, oh my gosh, I don't want them to worry about me or whatever. And then there was just like this moment of like, why am I hiding this from my kids? And so then 
because they were obviously experiencing emotions as well. And that's what started the process of being able to speak openly about our emotions. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to just want some space and to be able to advocate for that. Sometimes we're really good at like the effective communication of like, hey, I need a minute. Please give me like five minutes. I'm feeling some type of a way right now. Just, just let me chill. Other times it's like, can you just get away from me? Right. Well, (laughs) they're still kids. So exactly. I mean, I'm 38 and I still do it. (laughs) But it's really a matter of, at least for me, what's worked best for me is being able to have those open conversations. So one, it helps me get my needs met as a mom of like, okay, I understand you really want dinner right now. You got to give me 10 minutes. I have something I need to do. I need to take a pause or whatever, but I'm hoping that that's also going to help teach them as they grow up into adults as well, that it's okay to speak up and say, I need help or I need some space or being able to identify those emotions rather than just shutting them down or hiding in the other room. And that's really been instrumental in me finding that balance of like, listen, I just had a really, really long day at work today. Give me 20 minutes. And it's usually like, all right, say no more. Can I go play my video games? Absolutely. (laughs) Talk to you in 20, you know? So it it can be a struggle though. And it's kind of like a huge juggling act of, you know, working and parenting and wanting to do the best for your kids. You know, I, I think I can speak for most mothers that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be this perfect parent, right? Um, but that's an unattainable goal in my eyes. And so, you know, find kind of like learning that self-compassion and knowing that it's okay to be able to say, no, here's how I'm feeling. It has nothing to do with you, but here's what I need to do to be able to get back so I can be the best mom for you in this moment. I think that's unbelievable advice and really good for building their own resilience and their own awareness and understanding. And instead of like, always shielding them from real life. I mean, it was real life and they were experiencing, I'm sure the loss of your mom also, their grandmother and Mm -hmm. having, then seeing you though, being able to talk to you about that. I'm sure that's probably something they'll never, like they're never going to forget like that and like how to overcome that and those skills used to build resilience. I'm always fascinated by when people almost put up that, that wall as if it's different. Like I think of it with teachers too. Like when I teach self-care to teachers, I'm always saying, listen, bring this into the classroom. Everything I'm teaching you is also good for kids. Like it's not us and them. It's not like we can bring this together. And when it comes to your own children, I'm, I'm not a parent, but I think it's really important that we teach future generations how to cope how to manage their emotions how to take care of themselves I mean I would have loved this I never learned deep breathing as a kid like (laughs) and like how powerful just simple deep breathing can be that just wasn't like a thing they didn't do that back then yoga wasn't a thing like but I think Mm -hmm. it's wonderful and I I really applaud you for that Amy for being able to recognize that and for teaching them bringing them along with you and I wonder too I mean have your kids ever done any yoga with you or any stretching or stuff like that yes <laughs> and so cool. actually on youtube um it's it's called like yoga for kids i believe oh, and nice. it's this one lady and she brings like characters into it and so i'll do that with my daughter a lot she, she makes it fun so that's also like you know i'm able to teach my daughter i mean a resource you know what i mean to be able to help her physically mentally emotionally all that fun stuff but it's also like a bonding thing as well 
Um, I've, I've attempted it with my son and he'll give it like, he'll give it the good old college try. I'm usually halfway through. He's like, mom, this I'm is done. so stupid. <laughs> I'm done with this. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, fair. <laughs> but thank you so much for at least trying it with me. That's because, awesome. You know, yeah. No, I love it. And even like, I notice now there's more stuff like that for kids. I last, I think it was during, I don't remember. It was recently. I saw that Barbie has a breathe with me Barbie. I like oh bought gosh. one. I'm like, I want Barbie. <laughs> that's like self-care Barbie. She leads guided meditations. She talks about her emotions. I was like, this is amazing. Like those things just didn't exist. Um, you know, back when we were growing up per se, yeah. but, um, I think it's wonderful. And I think we need to do more of that. Um, that's, that's really great. And I, you know, you always seem to, at least what I see on social media and whatnot, kind of parent with a sense of humor. And I mm -hmm. know that a lot of, you know, as you said, a lot of moms struggle to do it all and to be perfect and all, all of that. And you, so what, is there like a piece of advice we can highlight or something you would say to moms who may be struggling to kind of balance everything? Self-compassion. I remember when I first became a mom and I was actually wasn't on social media right away. And then I hopped on and although, you know, if we're talking about a few generations ago, I didn't have my kids young, but for our current generation, I was a mom at around 25. So that's younger for us. And I felt this pressure that I had to be this perfect mom. Right. And you see social media and, you know, I think I love social media. It can be a wonderful thing. It keeps people connected. It can provide resources. It can make you laugh, but it also is this like pressure mm. because obviously people want to post their perfect moments. Of they course. want to present like the highlights of their life and their family and their children. And I respect that. You know, you want, you're proud of your kids. You want to be able to show that. What I had noticed was that it affected me as a mom because I was always trying to compare myself. So I'm not doing as good as they are. Or I never thought about that. Like, I hate playing with Barbie dolls. I own it. Like, and my kids would be like, come, come play with the, 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 the cars or the Barbies. And I would just be like, oh, this is torture. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't, like, I'm not good at imaginative play. And I had to realize that. But I had other skill sets. And so that's why, like, you know, if we're talking around about like joking around on social media, it was the moment I realized that I could laugh at myself and at my kids because kids are hilarious. I'm sorry. A hundred percent. Like <laughs> they give like the best material if you're trying to like crack jokes. And so that was like a big thing of mine of like, I want to show the other side. I want to let like the, those moms that are struggling too be like, oh my God, my kids are the same exact way. Thank you for posting this or share like their own stories. Because again, no matter where the pressure is coming from, if it's coming from family, if it's coming from self, from social media, from any, you know I mean, it comes literally from all directions. The second you become a mom, it's like everyone is telling you how you need to do it. Mm. One thing I can say is trust your gut. You're the parents you know how to do it. You'll get there and you'll mess up along the way. You know, there's been plenty of times I'm like, Oh God, I could have handled that so much better. But I'll go to my kids and be like, I'm sorry. I could have handled that better. How can I best? I've actually asked them like, Hey, how can I be a better mom? What do they say? You know? <laughs> oh my God. They never give me, I mean, for them it's good. But it's like, can you buy me more McDonald's? And oh, I'm like, that's sure. not what I'm looking for guys. <laughs> but yes, obviously. Like, you know, but it's just, I think it's just so important to like be real, at least for me. So I can only speak for self. 
you know, I don't need to be a perfect mom. I'm never going to be a perfect mom, but I'm going to be the best mom that I can for my children. You know, I'm going to, I think for a long time too, I put my kids needs before myself. And I think that's a common pitfall that a lot of mothers fall into because it's, it's what the world tells us to do. hundred percent. And then I realized I kind of lost myself in that a little bit. And so I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was a bad mom, but I was losing myself. So I had to realize for me to really be able to tackle all of these things, you know what I mean? Whether it was working or kids or all of the things, I had to put myself first. And it wasn't until I put myself first, practiced that self-care, practiced that self-compassion, found a way to be able to laugh at myself in the circumstances that I would sometimes encounter. That's when I was able to be able to parent more effectively and compassionately as well, because I was less stressed out. You know, I was able to just laugh it off instead of being like, oh my God, the cheese is spilled everywhere. Now I'm just like, oh gosh, let's get the vacuum rosy. And our dog would come in and just eat it up and call it a day, you know? <laughs> Excellent. It's like that, that reframing. And I know, you know, when I say things like you have to put your needs first above anything else, some people do bristle a little at that. And it's like, well, it's like, no, no. Even if you're a new mom, even if you're this, even if you're that, like, it's a shift, though, that we have to make. And I really love what you said, you know, compassion over perfection. That may be the episode title, compassion over perfection, because we tend to, we want to be perfect. And nobody really knows what we're doing. We're just really trying the best we can and trying to make our way in the world and, and, you know hopefully help others in the, in the process. And I do think, and for folks listening, Amy's stories are hilarious, what she shares on social media. I hope someday she puts them together in some sort of book or blog or something like that and shares them with the world. Cause they are quite beautifully written and, and very funny. So tell us a little bit, Amy, about the work that you do and why. Oh, this is where I get super passionate. I'm not saying <laughs> I love my kids. They're great too. But so the work that I do, so I am a certified peer specialist. Not everyone knows what that means, so I'll give a quick snippet on that. So a peer specialist is somebody who has their own lived experience, whether with mental health, substance use, or other things. And we're able to bring our own lived experience in to be able to support people as they're defining their own pathway to recovery. So the agency that I work for, we support people with severe and persistent mental illness, as well as substance use disorder. And it is just so incredibly powerful. For a long time, the way that treatment was provided to individuals with whatever challenges that they were experiencing, it was a very medical model way of thinking, right? The provider knows best. You're the patient. I'm going to tell you what to do and how to do it. And if you don't do it, then you're doing it wrong. But there's been this huge shift. And so now we're on a recovery-focused model and you know, every single person that I support, they're the best expert on themselves. And so with me being a peer and having that my own lived experience, I'm able to support them on a level of mutuality. That is the foundation of everything that I do. So while my story might not be the same as every single person that I support, if it was, I would have lived a very long life and that would be a lot. <laughs> uh, and I would have a lot more wrinkles, but I might not relate to every single story or experience, but I'll always be able to relate to the emotion behind it. You know, whether they're feeling hopeless or shut down or alone. I mean, we, the, we can go on and on forever. 
And I'm able to come in and be like, hey, I felt that way too. And just with that line alone, it's just like the walls come down. Absolutely. And people are able to be like, wait, I mean, you did that too, but like you're doing this more. And it's just like, heck yeah. And guess what? Like you could as well. Like, you're, you know, there's limitless potential there, but you just have to figure out what works best for you. I am a huge advocate for having multiple pathways to recovery and for harm reduction. So my recovery may look completely different from the person sitting next to me. Um, if we're talking about people using um, substances, right? For a long time, it was abstinence or bust and all of this stuff. But if I can provide people the tools, skills, and resources, because they just generally, they might not be ready yet to make that change. And guess what? That's okay, right? They need to be able to get to that point on their own. But if I'm able to educate them appropriately to make it so when they are ready, the least amount of damage is done to them, whether it's you know, mentally, physically, all of those things, then I know I'm doing my job right. If I can help one person save their life, because I'm not saving their life. And that's something I'm very passionate about. You know, people will come to me and they'll be like, Amy, thank you so much. You saved my life. And I, I don't normally like check people and I'll be like, no, no, <laughs> you saved your life. I just got, I was honored to be able to walk alongside you while you did it. And I was able to inspire and empower you and provide that hope that, that we sometimes don't need, you right. know, asking for help is a very scary thing to do. And so to be able to be that person, just to be like, Hey, listen, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to judge you. You tell me how I can best support you and I'll be there. A lot of people have never had that. And especially if they come from that old medical way of thinking where I'm like, so what do you want to do? And they're like, but you're asking me, (laughs) yeah, I'm asking you, know you better than I'll ever know you. Right. And it's just like, you can see people's eyes light up because these people have always, you know, there's so much stigma, whether it's around substance use, mental health, all of the things, right. So these, all of the individuals that I support, they've been looked at as broken or, not good enough, you know, all of these things. And to be able to have someone just be like, I believe in you. You might not, but I'm going to keep believing in you until you do that. That can be life-changing, you know? Absolutely. So it, it's huge. I absolutely love what I get to do each and every day. There's hard days for sure. Um, but then like you have those shining moments of like, you know, someone just being like, wow, someone's never asked me about that before. Thank you. And it's like the simplest questions too, right? Like oftentimes as providers, we can like overthink like, oh, how can I fix this? Right. How can I help fix this? And once you, at least for me and, and within my role, I don't have to fix anything, <laughs> right? And it takes like so much pressure off of myself. I just got to walk along someone in their journey. Well, sometimes the simplest questions really, we get stuck in like the theory and the, and like yes. we get stuck like, I don't Diagnosis. know, up here somewhere. And then- it's like, well, wait a minute. Have you had thought of asking the person what they want? <laughs> like, what yeah. you can do, or even with your kids, like you ask them, how can I be a better mom? How can I support you in this moment? How can I help? And we do, we need to dismantle that old medical model mm-hmm. a- across the board, truthfully. Yep. Because from my own lived experience, as someone who has struggled and in recovery for disordered eating and exercise bulimia, you know, I watched women in my family and myself even go to the doctor and just be told your issues are due to weight. Your issues are due to weight. It's like, no, no, that's not how it works actually. Mm -hmm. And so I tend to be very open and sharing with people too about like, listen, like 
I've been healing my relationship with food. Here's how. Like, he, here are the things that, like, you maybe want to look into intuitive eating. Maybe you want to start looking into the health at every size movement. And, and you know, ask questions. Push back if, if yeah. you're able to. And I, I find that now, you know, people sometimes aren't able to. And that's okay. I want to be that voice then. Like, I want to be the one. I'm going to speak up. If I see something, if I go to the doctor's office and I there isn't a chair that I can sit in because they don't have any chairs without arms, like, mm-hmm. I'll say, hey, do you have a chair without arms? Or if I go yeah. to the theater and am not comfortable in the seat, like, I've been known to go to the house manager and ask. But, like, that took a long time to get to mm-hmm. that point to not feel shame and to yeah. feel embarrassed by it and to feel, you know, less than and just all mm-hmm. the bad, the bad things. So I think that the work that you're doing, although it's different than, um, you know, my lived experience, of course, but really, really important in empowering people and really helping people on the journey. I think it's I think it's amazing. So thank you for doing that um, important work. And you touch upon so many aspects, too, of of self-care, like when we look at the physical domain and the self-compassion domain and how we talk about ourselves and to ourselves and that self-awareness and how do we self-soothe and what else mm-hmm. can we start to bring in for soothing strategies that aren't um, the, the, the destructive patterns that sometimes we maybe would go to in the past. So really, really important. And um, which leads me to my last question, which is your work in addiction recovery is very important. And so I'm wondering, you know, just one piece of advice, maybe if someone's listening to this and maybe they're struggling with um, their own addiction issues, what's one piece of advice that you would give them? I would remind them that they matter. When you are caught in the grips of addiction, you often feel alone you tend to isolate and oftentimes, so I can only speak for self, but you know, I was self-medicating all of the negative things that I would say about myself. And I would constantly tell myself that I didn't matter. So I was just kind of like complacently miserable with where I was for a very long time because I didn't think that I was worth it. But again, so the, the system is changing, you know? And again, so I remember at one point I had walked into treatment and I walked into a team meeting. So old medical model doctors I had never met before. And I walked in and they told me everything that was wrong with me and everything that I needed to do to fix me. I wasn't in good head. I can, I'm known to be spicy here and there. I own it. I'm also not ashamed of it. And I looked at those doctors and I told them exactly where they need to go. Excellent. <laughs> Pretty sure I got discharged from that that treatment. But but I always remember, right? Is so it's like a day or two later, and one of those doctors called me and was just, hey, I just want to let you know I heard you. And I would love to be able to support you if if, if you're so inclined. I would love to say I followed through with it on the time I, I wasn't in that space. I don't remember his name. I remember I don't remember what he looks like, nothing, but I remember how he made me and so for people who are kind of in that stage of like contemplating, you know, should, should I pursue treatment? You know, when I went before, it was just like really deficit based or it was really negative. There is a shift that is happening. There are peer specialists, there's recovery coaches, you know, clinicians are trained to be more open to numerous pathways of wellness and recovery, you know, and to give it a chance. Because again, at the end of the day, you matter. And, and, you know, that's, that's a hard thing to remember. And sometimes it's really a hard thing to admit as well. So I'll keep reminding people until they see it. 
Oh, that's beautiful. No, and, and it's very important. And I love that that doctor took the time. It's too bad that he was obviously a cog in a system that wasn't working and that didn't work, right. but that he took the time to reach out to you independently, whether or not you took his advice at the time or not, you stuck with it stuck with you. Cause here we are yeah. X, however many years later. And you still remember how that made you feel that someone heard you, someone mm -hmm. was listening to you and that you matter. Yeah. That was probably like 17 years ago. And I bring it to work with me every single day of how he made me feel. Cause people might not always remember the words that you say, but they'll remember how they make you feel. Absolutely. That's excellent. And we're going to we're going to bring it back to a little bit lighter note just oh, for a minute as I almost forgot and I hope you don't mind chatting about it but um the entrepreneurial spirit that you are instilling in both of your children but especially your daughter with her <laughs> side jewelry business tell tell me yes. more about that. <laughs> oh my gosh. So she came up to me one day and she's like it was around Christmas time of last year and she's like all right, I'm going to make jewelry. And I was like okay, bye. So do, she do had the idea to start she had the idea and well, so she was like kind of going through ideas first. She was going to make slime and I kind of processed that with her. I'm like, well, you know, most kids want to make their own slime. So I don't know if really you'll have a market for that. So what is something that like people don't really make themselves? And I encouraged her to kind of think about that. I was like making dinner or something, but I didn't really like engage in the conversation if I'm being completely honest. And around Christmas time, I may or may not have an addiction to like Christmas trees big, small, all of the things. So I'll sure, get like mini fine. ones for every room. And so the kids <laughs> each have one for their own room and I'll bring them to like the store to get like their own decorations. So she had a couple of these little mini ornaments left and a neighbor had given her like old crafting supplies, but had the earring hooks on it. And she found some string and she came out of her room and she had two pairs of ornament earrings that she had just like used the string to tie the ornament onto the hook. And I was just like, Oh my God, honey, like these are, these are awesome. So of course I went right on to Amazon and I found like beginner kits of like earring making kits and everything else. And I think it was like two weeks before Christmas, but I was more excited than she was. I was like, who, who wants to open an early Christmas gift? And I was like, you get this one. And I mean, she had every pair made by the end of the night. And it was just like this amazing thing. And I started posting it on Facebook and everything else. And you know, empowered women, empower women. And the love that started to come in to help support this young female entrepreneur, like to this day is mind blowing. And like that, she was just getting sale after sale after sale. And like, I couldn't keep up. Like my kitchen table is still. <laughs> I bought several like, pairs. <laughs> yeah, and, but it was just like one of those wonderful things to be able to see how much like it empowered her, her and her brother got involved. He started helping. We obviously had to pay him a cut, obviously. Well, that's, oh, that's okay. That's fair. Yeah. And he did great. And it became like this family project. But at the same time, like the best thing. So I think she was nine at the time. And I would hear her talking to other people and she would be like, yeah, I'm a business woman. And I would just be like, yeah, you are. I love it. <laughs> you know? Is she still doing it? She is. So mom may or may not be slacking on promoting it on Facebook. And All right, let's get going, Amy. Come on. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. I'm trying. I'll do really good for like a week and then I fall off again. But, but it's been amazing to be able to like, just watch how much it built her up and not just how much like, you know, like the business itself, but again, like whether it's people we knew or people we didn't know. And she was just like, like dumbfounded. 
she's like, Ma, why are all these people buying my earrings? And I was just like, well, one, honey, like your earrings are awesome. I, I helped pick them out, obviously. <laughs> but, no, but like two, like people want to be able to support that. You don't see many little kids who are like really diving into starting a business. That's huge. Absolutely. You I know? love it. It, it. Oh my gosh. It has been like literally one of the coolest things to be able to sit back and watch. I hope like, she continues. Can we say the name of the jewelry business? It's- yeah, of course. It's Bayberry Blue Co. Um, and it's on Facebook. I promise I'll get better. It's on Instagram <laughs> too, right? We'll make sure it's linked in the it's episode. It's on Instagram, but we don't keep up with that. So oh, all Facebook, right. so Facebook is, better is better. better. Okay. Yeah. We'll make sure that that's linked in the episode notes as well. Um, but it Perfect. really struck a chord with me actually, because growing up, my mom's an artist. And so my mom was always painting and had a little side hustle going and was teaching mm-hmm. art classes and selling any craft she could make and, you know, to save a couple of bucks and make a few bucks here and there to pay for mm-hmm. dancing school for me or whatever she used yeah. it on. But, um, I got into it that way also. And I will tell you, and you can pass this along to your daughter, I made a ton of money through high school selling jewelry. And that's what I did. And, you know, my great grandmother was a beater also and made jewelry. So she would teach me little techniques. And, you know, it really blossomed into a nice little side hustle for a kid. So when I saw you doing this with your daughter, even my husband commented as he saw the photograph on Facebook was like, oh, wow, is this like, this really reminding you of, of you? I'm like, yeah, it is actually. And I right? loved too. You showed, there was a picture at one point of your daughter up at the counter, kind of reaching up to put the, all the packages, a stack of packages yeah. at the post office so she could pay for postage. But you were, you were there as the protective mom. So obviously nothing was going to happen to her, but she was doing it. And I just loved lost. that, that she was the one to bring the po- the packages up and get them posted and get them off in the mail. I just thought it was excellent. And what really, really good skills that you are helping you both your children. I think it's awesome that your son got involved as well. Even if he, I think it's okay though. He got a small percentage. He earned it, right? He did. He was, so he was, what was, was he packaging? What was he doing? So his specialty are her stud earrings. Oh. So one thing I learned really quick. So when we do, and we have to like super glue, like the, the gemstones into like the, the base of it. And my daughter and I are awful when it comes to super glue. We actually made, so there was a, a pair of like sunflower earrings that we made. And I was like, so I call her bugs. I was like, all right, bugs, put these on. So we, you can model them and I'll post them on the page, but we can be a little excessive, I guess, with the super glue. So we got the picture and she goes, oh, take it off. And it was like literally super glue <laughs> to her ear. Oh no. <laughs> so this is what, this is, this is what my family life is like. And like, it was comical. We were dying laughing. And then my son comes in and he's like, I got it. And he will just crank them out and he does them perfectly. Like, I'm just like, teach me. Oh my <laughs> you know? God. That's amazing. I love yeah, that. So- and what a great, bonding experience as a family and a great activity to do. And that's also teaching him skills and your daughter skills. I love it. It's excellent. And um, I hope that Bayberry, uh, Bayberry blue takes off and continues to grow certainly. um, Cause I think it's excellent skills to instill in the next generation. And I love that she's walking around saying she's a business owner and we do need to do more of building each other up because there's definitely not enough of that in the world. Exactly. And especially with little kids, right? People often think, oh, well, they're just a kid. 
Lemonade stands are great. I'm going to hit up every single one when I drive by it. So I'm definitely not trying to like, no. discredit lemonade always stands. Always stop my... at a lemonade stand. Always. always. <laughs> oh my God. Number one rule to take out of this podcast is if you always see a stop. The little stand, kid is selling lemonade. Stop. Yes, but I think sometimes people discredit just how much kids can do, you right. know? Absolutely. And I mean, like, she she is the boss. She's, oh, mom, we have the orders out. Are they ready? Because I'll obviously, like, write out the packaging and everything just so we can make sure it's the right place. And like, <laughs> she's making sure, like, I'm on point. And I was like, aye, aye, ma'am. <laughs> I'll get right on that, you know? And it's being able to, you know, again, it's empowerment. It's skills around money and organization and everything else that goes with it not even just like hyping her up on her earrings it, it it just really transcends so much more does she have to save the money does she get to spend it what does she have to do with the money i'm just so curious. most of it is saved but then she'll you know she'll come up to me like well nah, you know we've had a good week we, can we make like a, like a, a quick trip i'm like yeah, absolutely you know awesome um but then we'll also like explore wants versus needs and all of that fun stuff so she is able to learn how to not, you know, get into that trap of just because I have money, I need to spend all of it. Right. You know, been yeah. there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> haven't we all? <laughs> exactly. No, these are really, really good skills. And to see it too in like real time, because she has this little small business and yeah. it's going to grow and it can be, it, this could be something that can support her as a little side job. Maybe, maybe it'll be a full-time gig someday, but you know, right. through school while she's, you know, at least through high school, like I said, I used to make jewelry for my friends and we would sell it. We were hustling it wherever we could. And my mom was fabulous with that. And I made a ton of money doing it and it was great. Cause it was just, it was some of it got saved. Um, but mm -hmm. then some of it was fun money. So that was awesome, but yeah. I love it. So we know where we can find Bayberry blue co on Facebook. And if folks want to connect with you, Amy, they can do so. You want to share with us your Facebook? Yeah, of course it's, so it's Amy Joyce. Um, but Amy is spelled A M I E. So Amy Joyce, and you can find me on Facebook. Awesome. Well, thank you so yeah. much for joining us today. It was lovely to catch up and connect with you. <laughs> Bye. Oh my gosh. Thank you for, uh, for inviting me. Thank you so much. That was amazing. Amy reminds us that it's okay to ask for help and that it's okay to advocate for your needs. More than okay, actually, especially to our medical professionals. And let your kiddos understand emotions and have them join you in your self-care activities. I think that's fabulous. It's very important to equip future generations with these skills so they can manage their health and well-being as well. And if you can, please empower future generations and fuel that entrepreneurial spirit. You never know where it may lead. Additionally, it is important to remember that really good foundational self-care can be practiced for free and that self-care is not optional. It is life-changing and wildly transformative to put your needs first. You cannot sit back and wait for your boss to give you permission to take care of yourself or for someone else to save you. You take your power back and you shift your mindset, your priorities, and your boundaries to ensure you are putting your health and well-being above all else. 
I know this is easier said than done, and that this becomes a bit of an act of resistance. We are not celebrated for taking our paid time off or our sick days. We don't get gold stars from society when we rest, but who cares? This is your life and your health and happiness we're talking about. Start small if you need to, but please start. In the words of Audre Lorde, Caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. This is my last interview for 2021. I cannot believe we are wrapping up my first year as a podcaster. This has been an amazing journey, and I'm hoping to do something special that will release just before Christmas. And I look forward, of course, to launching season two of the podcast in January 2022. We have a stellar lineup of interviews ready to kick us off, and this is seriously not to be missed. Thanks for listening to this episode, and remember to subscribe and rate this podcast on your preferred player. The ratings help us grow and share the message of self-care. If you have comments, suggestions, or questions, please reach out directly by emailing podcast at drmcselfcare.com. That's dr mcselfcare.com and come join the cast party at Dr. MC's Self Care Cabaret on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. MC Self Care or on my website drmcselfcare.com. Be sure to like, subscribe and love me across all my social media platforms for the most up-to-date information on self-care. See you next time. Stay well and do good.